Hey, welcome to Gen X Voice. Nobody asked us, so let's get our voices heard. Written off years ago as the Slacker generation, we actually have brought a lot to the world behind the scenes. Now we need to bridge two opposing generations and make sure non-Karen voices are heard. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and I'm going to interview Gen Xers being rad and doing cool shit in the world. You can follow me at Gen X Voice on Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Check out other podcasts, videos, and blogs at genxvoice.com. Even though the focus of this platform will be to celebrate Generation X, the goal is to interview as many people as possible from lots of generations, backgrounds, and experiences. Let's unpack some of our differences and attempt to discover what truly ties us all together. With so much division and pain in the world today, instead of shutting people down for their age or other features outside of their control, let's listen to these voices and discover common ground so we can come together and create a better world for all. I don't want to be an army one. This episode's guest features one of my former students when I taught in the Midwest. In case you're wondering how someone from Arizona has so many guests on this podcast from Illinois, it is the place I lived the longest in my entire 44 years. Seven to be exact, if you count just my adult life. If you had the two when I was a kid, nine years is a long time to live in one state for my life. I met so many interesting people in this town of 150,000, Springfield, Illinois. Um, being in a band for two years, whose music you hear in the beginning and ending of the podcast, by the way. Shout out to Jason Perry, my resident genius fan, and teaching French at one of the high schools for five years. Anyway, Amelia shares with us how she feels about growing up in that town with her boomer parents, her experience traveling around the country with film festivals, and why COVID may be keeping us from understanding different views, since we are more than likely not interacting face-to-face with family members who have opposing views in this socially turbulent time, and how that may be detrimental to the progress and social equality we all yearn for. She also shares with us how launching her podcast with her friend Cecilia, 1-800-DREAMS, has taught her how to cope and how to have hope during this pandemic. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, Amelia. Well, hello, Trish the Ditch. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm so well, and I'm so honored to be on here. So thank you. I appreciate oh this. I'm super gosh. excited. I'm, I'm so happy that you feel that way because the feeling is mutual. <laughs> oh, excellent. Man, so how, how's your day been? Are you guys starting to feel some fall up there in Wisconsin? Yeah, right. Feeling the fall, feeling the, yeah. No, so it's, the, the weather is literally on fire everywhere. Um, I mean, it's, that's not the case here entirely, but like we're going through ups and downs of like, it's, you know, this morning it was 39 degrees and it, it'll go up today. is like a high of 57, but then the other day it was 80. So, you know, we take it as it comes. And so we're, we're doing okay. I'm obviously not complaining. So it's just, it's nuts, but yeah, um, it's been a great day. A lot of, um, good empowerment, on my end, I'm part of a collective of individuals who um, are entrepreneurs, and we, you know, get together once a month and um, shoot the shoot the business <laughs> and like ask for help for things, and it's really it's really good. So I feel super duper stoked to come talk with you today. Wow! Yeah, you're all full of women power and yeah. feeling. Wow! Well, hey, then super kudos to you because. You, your day is so busy. And the fact that you could squeeze me in is just so awesome because no. 
my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, you're so busy. There's so much going on in your life. You've got this podcast. You've got a, a, a child. You've, you've got so many things going on. How in the world are you keeping it all together? I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's called balance. And sometimes um, some things don't get done. And sometimes, I don't know. I, I think uh, I read tarot. I, one of my favorite cards is the Wheel of Fortune in the world. And it's just like everything's cyclical. And I think Sharon, one of your guests talked about that. Mm-hmm. Like literally everything cyclical, things that may, you know, work for you now, friends that may work for you now may not serve you in the future. And so like I, um, I paint and I draw a lot, but I just haven't been able to do that before the pandemic hit. I was hitting the gym four times a week and <laughs> that's not happening right now. Um, so, you know, trying to find the things that you love and serve you and feed your soul. Um, you know, obviously taking some time for yourself. I, it's not easy. That's for sure. I mean, like having a child, I'm not saying it's like having a hobby, but you can, you can have, you have to have less hobbies if you have a child. Right. So yeah. So it's busy. It's tough. And sometimes you're like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, things are, things are okay. Things are pretty good. Um, I love what I'm doing now with, with the side hustle. So here we are. Yeah. I work 40 hours at a, um, for the city government. So, and then yeah, I work like 20 hours on the side for my side business with my co-host and yeah, I have a child and I'm married to a person. And so <laughs> it's beaucoup. <laughs> we beaucoup. <Sorry. laughs> Well, Amelia, I know you because you were one of my students um, in French class and you took French with me all four years. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about what it was like to grow up in a town like Springfield, Illinois Mm. in the 2000s um, and going to a school that was so multiracial like Southeast High School. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, Springfield, Illinois, exotic, luxurious Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what's up. Um, I don't live there anymore. So no, Springfield's Springfield's cool. It, you know, it is what it is. Um, so okay. So I I grew up. I, I'm so I was born in 1991. Um, so I'm 29, and um, Springfield. I mean, it's it's provincial, but in its own way. But like my parents were pretty big on like, no, you need to. Um, you have to like go to school with people who are different than you. And like, you have, this is the real world. And so they're always really hesitant with like gifted and talented programs because it's like, this is, this is like in its own way, segregation. Um, and so my mom was really, and my mom was special ed teacher. My dad was financial aid officer at a community college. So very much serving others and, and working with others, especially those that are not like you, cause that's the real world. So, um, so that's kind of the, the paradigm that I grew up in. That's not to say, you know, it was like a perfect thing, but, um, but it was a pretty good base and like Springfield's not huge. So you could get around pretty easy. Um, but that's nice. I think my parents who had lived lots of different places, probably that's why they settled there ultimately, um, in their, you know, mid to late thirties. And so, um, but for me, so I, 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 I would consider myself plus size and like probably on the smaller end of plus size, but like I grew up at a time in the nineties when like Kate Moss, who's super skinny and the stick straight hair, uh, was really big. And for me, like, uh, as a kid, you know, you're either like, um, a, 
a twig or a block. I was definitely more blocky. <laughs> and I had very curly hair and I still do. And, you know, curva- curvaceous, vivacious, uh, curly haired. And so like I, I, I always felt like I was a little different. And so I kind of took that up as who I was. And so, you know, to live in Springfield, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of people who didn't look like me and that was okay. So I'm probably a long answer for, uh, for that, but, um, yeah. no, that's perfect. And so how, how did it end up that you, and that you left Springfield and, and was Wisconsin, Milwaukee, was that your first choice? Great question. So, um, so my, I w- my parents were older when I was born. They were and they're, and they're baby boomers, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bo- both born in 53. I feel like I should give you my social security number now with all the dates I'm giving out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my parents are both born in 53 there, you know, in their late mid to late sixties now. Um, so they were 38 and 37 when I was born and my brother and sister are 10 and 11 years older than me. Um, and so how did I end up here? So I, they moved out. I mean, I was in second, first and second grade when they went to college and they never moved back except for like maybe for a brief time, but like they were gone, gone. And then they ultimately moved to the West coast. And so I sort of had this in my head, like, I will never come back. Like, I don't, that's, that's just how it's supposed to be. And that's not fair to anybody, but this is what, you know, my, my mindset was. So I went to, um, I started college. I was going to be a French major. And then somewhere along the line, um, somebody convinced me to go to the uh, incredibly lucrative, um, incredibly lucrative, uh, history major. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so I, I did that and then I ended up in, uh, student services and financial aid and higher education after, after college. And, um, I had been dating somebody all through college. We had been engaged pretty early on. And, um, then I said, you know, you're a very nice person. This is just not the right relationship. So at 22, I think I turned 23. I ended a relationship. I moved out of St. I'd been living in St. Louis at this point. So I lived mostly in Missouri, but then yeah, lived in Illinois, uh, Southern Illinois, and then St. Louis after college. And then um, my brother and sister had made their way back from the West Coast to Wisconsin because my brother married somebody who was from Wisconsin and it was just easier for them to be close to home um, with, with them building a family. And my sister, I think, was tired of a FaceTime relationship with, with family. So they all moved back. And then, so, yeah, so I was like, I'm, I'm up for anything. So then, yeah. So after, you know, thinking that my life plan was set, I was going to be married to a person at 22, 23, and I was going to be working in student services. And then I ended up, um, traveling the country, working at film festivals (laughs) for, um, for some time after. So the last six years I've actually spent working at film festivals and operations. Yeah. So that's, how did you get into that? Uh, well, my, so my sister had been in LA for 11 years and she had been in the film industry. And when she moved to back to the Midwest, um, she still wanted to be in film. And so she came across uh, Milwaukee film, which is a really awesome organization that, um, that like they both, um, they help filmmakers to make, like, we don't make movies, but it's like, you know, um, uh, making film accessible to people because film is such a beautiful medium to, um, how am I trying to say this? It's a very accessible art form. You can watch a movie in an hour and a half. Not that you should. I love books, for instance. Like I love books. I love art. But this is such an accessible medium to like really open your mind to something in a short period of time. So, so yeah. So my sister was already in it and she's like, hey girl, I know you just broke up with your fiance and uh, you want to try something different. Why don't you come up, work a season 
Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who work film festivals will work a seasonal contract, um, which is what I did. I had enough admin work to like to work for the assistant. Um, no, sorry, for the managing director. And then from there, I had enough experience in film festivals to go. I worked at Sundance. Um, I worked at San Francisco International Film Festival. Like these are all seasonal contracts. And then I worked at the, um, again, very exotic Cleveland International Film Festival, which I, I, that's nothing on Cleveland. It's just funny. It's um, so, yeah. So that's how I ended up in Milwaukee working at that festival. And then I started full time in 2016. Um, then I was laid off in the pandemic. So, you know, it's, this is life. So, but I was very lucky and was able to, I, I'm not kidding. I was not looking for work. And then I was able to apply the operation skills I, I got from film festivals and put that towards the pandemic and, and public health. So, um, it's, it's super, it's, it's not like the, the, the end goal, but it's a great way to use skills in this time. So what do you mean by that? Um, well, I mean, like, I can't, I can't help people get, so with operations for a film festival, it's like getting things to theaters, making sure people are in the correct line. How do you manage volunteers? Like I'm doing a lot of this stuff for the pandemic and like public health. So I like will bring groceries to COVID positive patients, or I'm helping distribute in like PPE and inventory to various health clinics. Um, it's, it's all, I don't want to say it's all the same because it's not, but it's, it's a lot of those same skills. Logistics are logistics. So, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> well, Amelia, that is some amazing things that you have cultivated in your life to the, the idea of serving others, which like you said, harkens back to how your parents raised you because, yeah. um, you know, the, the stereotype is that, you know, boomers are just, um, really disconnected from the needs of, of people. Um, mm -hmm. but they raised you in a way that was a little different than that. Do you think that it's because they were more, um, they held on to more of their hippie views <laughs> or do you think that you just sort of instinctually went into service of others? I'm an old soul, man. No, uh <laughs> No, I do. I mean, <laughs> I would, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think it's fair. And again, I really, I love your podcast, Trish, because I feel like oh, it's, it's super, and I love the different people you have on here because I think a lot of them have, regardless of their generation, that's what I, their generation is going to ultimately influence a lot of how they were, you know, brought up and, and all that good stuff, but like and the generations that raised them. Oh my gosh, yes, even more so. I think honestly, than no, that's not true. I think it's I think it's both definitely. Um, I think my parents were raised by I don't say good. There's no I don't want to say good or bad people. I just think those values that they were they instilled in us were pretty big. So it's kind of funny. So my parents and you you know them. Uh, they both say hi. By the way, they oh. um, they and were tell them, raised. Tell them their invites are coming. Oh. eventually they're, they're not getting out of this oh yes oh good okay well good I won't I will not give too much away because they have got some really like just juicy life stories um nothing like nothing too crazy but they're pretty awesome people um and they they so I'll just say that they were both raised pretty catholic my mom's one of 10 kids uh those irish catholics no, I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, that's a time and a place. And so um, they it was a kind of a big deal that my brother and sister and I were never baptized. I think that they both my parents are not involved in the church. And I think they both really believe in like in faith 
and, you know, things will come around, but you have to, you know, you, you service is so important to others and, and being a good citizen, but also giving us the tools to be good people and make our own good choices. So for instance, we weren't baptized, but they gave us the tools to be, um, or rather, how am I trying to say it? They gave us the tools to make those choices when we were ready. So instead of choosing to baptize us, they gave us that opportunity to, you know, learn more about whatever we wanted to learn about and just to be good people. So I don't know if that's a generational thing or just, I got cool parents. Um, (laughs) I feel very lucky. What do you think when you hear people? And I mean, you are in the millennial Mm -hmm. um, pocket of generations. Sure. What do you think of when people in your generation refer to boomers like, okay, boomer, like, um, how does that make you feel? It's so reductive to, to them. Um, and, and it's like, I feel like millennials get this label of not wanting to be labeled and to label a different generation just seems counterintuitive and not open. And it's really a bummer, bummer, boomer. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's, yeah, not cool. Not cool. I'm not, I think it's, yeah, not, not, not nice. So one of the things that, um, has come up in, um, my Facebook group discussion mm. is um, about the podcast is that it the state of the world today is because of the boomers that are in office. Okay. Um, you studied French and German when mm. you were in high school. Yeah. Does this allow you to have a bigger breadth and scope of what's happening in today's politics? Or do you tend to think that that's probably true as well? Um, well, I am such an expert now that I know French and German. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> well, the exposure to different ways of looking oh, at the world. no, 100%. So, yes, absolutely. And for and I think- listeners, Vicky, who was our guest in episode two, was uh, Amelia's German teacher. Yeah, yes, sehr cool. <laughs> no, I... Um, I I feel kind of bad because I'm such a trend averse person. That's why I never, I didn't take Spanish in high school because everyone else was, it seemed like. Um, but obviously in, in today's world, especially living where I live, it'd be, have been a, a boon to my career to have studied Spanish and, but um, working on it, Duolingo. So uh, yes, absolutely. And I think that's something my parents probably, they didn't, they never pushed French on me. That was something that came pretty early on. I kind of discovered it in fifth grade. And I was just like, ooh, la, la, I love it, so, <laughs> <laughs> which I know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so I, I've always been really interested in other cultures. And my, my parents definitely not, not pushed it, but like, hmm, qu'est-ce que c'est? What is this? What's going to pe- No, mademoiselle. I cut mademoiselle. Here we go. I'm like, I'm going on mademoiselle's podcast. I just can't help it. But um, people, people are like, wow, you really like French. I'm like, oh, is there something about me that's like tray continental? And they're like, no, you just say stupid stuff all the time. <laughs> one of the so, gifts one of the gifts of learning other languages is being able to say stupid stuff in other languages <laughs> yeah oh yeah no or like you get like you get a little bit inebriated and you're like an expert in the language oh, um, yes. <laughs> well so I'll give an example to that point of your question I, I yes to me but I have a friend who's kind of from kind of from she's definitely she's out she's from the outskirts of St. Louis in a, a pretty um pretty red area and 
she's really struggled with her family. Like they, they had really pushed her to like study Spanish and she has a master's in Spanish. She's traveled the world and has this like incredible outlook. Like how can you feel this way about people, you know, having seen the world and when, when her, when she goes back to talk to her family about these issues that are happening and they're so close minded, she's like, this feels so it's terrible in general, but it's like, how can you have pushed me in this direction and then be so, close-minded about it it's kind of mind-boggling like how can you see the world and and they they have not seen the world they've just pushed their daughter to see the world and she obviously came back and was like I don't see it the same anymore so yeah definitely so do you think that um there is there is a huge disconnect between the generations in looking at the social issues of the world or do you think it's really depending on um, certain pockets that we deem as like, that's a whole generational issue, um, but but is it more case by case? I for sure, I think it's talking about closed-minded, open-minded. I just don't, there's so many different ways of thinking and, and thinking about people who like maybe, I think I'm just saying boomers just to use that as a generic label. I, I don't not that I ascribe to that, but I'm just saying somebody from that age range maybe hasn't met somebody who identifies as transgender or it it may be really hard for them to wrap their mind around this concept and whether they're, you know, opposed to it or, or very open to it, it's just taking longer for them to, to get with it. Or even like me reading tarot and my mom's like, I don't know about that. I'm like, Whoa, really? Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, I know. I'm like, Sue, <laughs> what's, the, what's the big deal? So, uh, no, yes, but I think I think people are totally they have the capacity within them to like to open up. May take time, whatever. But I think some people, yeah, they're like it's and it's so politicized now. It's so people, millennials or younger, are act or think a certain way that's very frustrating and you know a little scary. So I, I'm not. I don't think it's limited generationally. Do you think that we're having a hard time having bridging the misunderstanding of what's going on in the world due to, despite, to use your words, millennials, and, and Sharon said this in her episode too, of being really open-minded, but not taking the time to have those uncomfortable conversations with older people. Do you think that that is one of the issues that we're seeing and can it be resolved? Oh man, it's so tough because you have people that are like, I'm not even going to get into it with these like family members on Facebook. I think that's part of it too. Cause like, well, we're in COVID time. So you can't physically a lot of times talk to people in person, which is a much better way to do it. Because I, <laughs> I asked my 86 year old great aunt if she was really pro-life <laughs> In a Facebook post, I'm like, oh my God, was this really like the right way to talk about it? Because this is an incredibly loving human being who I love very much, but you know, maybe this isn't the right way. But that's part of what's happening with the pandemic. It's like, I think this is why um, uh, Black Lives Matter has has propelled so much um, because we're all, it feels like on a much more even level or like, um, oh, how am I trying to, like the, the, the plane level is level. Oh my goodness. This the plane feels level? Good Lord. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> wow. That was beautiful. Thank you. My, I'm just so good at other languages. I can't speak my own. 
<laughs> I feel that way a lot, actually. <laughs> that was a lucky shot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. So, okay, what was the question? Oh, mon dieu. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, the inability for the so-called open-minded millennials to have these conversations, there's more shutting down than really trying to work for understanding. Yes, cancel culture is no, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I think there's a lot with like, oh, that was bad, but we're also human beings who make mistakes. And if we're willing to like own up to that and say, wow, that was, I said a really bad thing. Um, and wow, I suck. Uh, you know, I, and um, I think, I don't know why. And I also, I think like patience, like people don't have millennials, Gen Z, it's like, you know, attention spans are so limited. Um it's just so much easier to like not talk to somebody um, rather than, yeah, it's, it's, it's much easier to like just say goodbye forever um, and burn that bridge than to actually like take a, take some time to, to have those conversations. Yeah. Some conversations take about 25 years too. And, oh, and that's goodness, something yeah. that I think with my generation, I think we've been having conversations about gay rights and um, socioeconomic disparities disparities um for 25 years these aren't new topics um but it is it it is a long haul you you can't just totally you can't just go in with a comment and hope that voila now I'm going to have (laughs) this family member who's suddenly going to see my perspective but I think the 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 sad thing too is we're not hearing their answers. We're not letting them tell us why they think the way they do. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that is in itself like a really important, you know, thing to have. Do you think that your generation lacks the empathy or ability to, which is really ironic because we're talking about, yes, we need to stand up for, you know, the LBGTQI community and Black Lives Matter, but, but ageism is so rampant. So do you think it's, do you think the patience is just like, um, it's really, if it only are causes that I care about or are they sincere or do, do you feel people are sincerely worrying about these causes? Oh man, that's a really good question. I feel like there's so much with my generation that like we were told to empathize and like, take care of yourself and, you know, a lot, yeah, self-love and, um, think about others and what is, you know, what does it mean to be in someone else's shoes? And yet I think also, so we talk about patience and like everything is so available so quickly because of technology, but then also, you know, interaction with people has changed so much. And I think tone is gone. Uh, you can't, um, like if you're, if you're just talking to somebody on the internet, talk about communication, like it's, those are two different mm, ways of communicating, like whether you're on the internet um, in an email or on Facebook, or if you're actually talking in person. And I think it's so, that's so hard. It's, and so that empathy in there, yeah, how do you, you can't, you, how can you have empathy in um, online? It's just really, it's very difficult. Or how can you have empathy for certain causes, but not, you know, your older family members who disagree. 
Yes. Yes. And it's like that, that ageism thing too. So I'm a, um, I think Sharon had talked about this too, like, uh, that the humble brag of being an old soul. So I started watching the golden girls when I was like nine or 10. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm as like, did I, cause they were on TV <laughs> when I was nine or 10. <laughs> Amazing. So, so I've been like waiting to be an old person for a very long time. Um, and I have a history major. So like, I, it's not me saying like, well, I can speak to this better because no, I just, I feel like I'm maybe more willing to, as, as far as like millennials go, um, that said, I, my, maybe my mom would disagree. Um, but, <laughs> but I, and, and it is, again, it's really hard because now you feel like, oh, I'm seeing this, this relative's true colors, but it's like, are you really like, are you, you're just seeing what they're posting online and you're just not having that opportunity to converse. And so it's tough. Yeah. It's, yeah, man. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Sure. Your, um, your podcast that you do with your co-host Cecilia, Mm -hmm. um, you launched that in the middle of the pandemic. So what led up to that and why dreams? So, okay. Um, what happened? So yeah, we, my friend and I, Cecilia, we were both, um, moms to toddlers. It was a pandemic. So I, we, we thought, what's, what's one more thing? Let's make a podcast. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, which we, is called 1-800-DREAM. 1-800-DREAMS. Yes. Come check us out with two Z's. So, um, what happened? Cecilia was like, we should do a podcast. That'd be fun. I'm like, Okay. Okay. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I love to perform and I love to research. So it's kind of a natural fit, but I'm like, Oh no, we don't know anything. What do, what could we even talk about? And she's like, wouldn't it be funny if we read people's dreams on the air, on, on, on the air, on air. And yeah, it, cause dreams are so insane. And I'm like, that's dumb. No one would want to listen to that. <laughs> Uh, and the more she talked about it, I was like, oh. And like the when we were thinking about what to do for a podcast, we're like, we need something that is sort of like self-generates. We don't want to have to keep coming up with a topic every time. So like everybody has dreams. It's not like they just stop dreaming. Um, so we 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 were like, let's do this. But then also we were thinking about it because COVID times, COVID-19 dreams are insane. And so they've really that's what that was our first episode. Highly recommend listening. Um, but because the dreams that people are having right now, they're just so much more vivid because when, when you go through major life shifts, um, your dreams during that time tend to be much more vivid and you remember them a lot better. And so this is one of those times in, in, in every, literally everyone's having these types of dreams and people who are like first, um, what are those called? The, I mean, essential workers, but like, um, essentially like at the oh, front, front line, frontline worker. Thank you. Yes. Or somebody, either a frontline worker or a person who has had COVID-19, their dreams are essentially akin to somebody who lived, they're, they're traumatic. How am I trying to say that? They're traumatic like the dreams of those who lived during World War II are traumatic. Like it's that level of trauma. Um, like if, cause that's, it's like World War II that they're really starting to analyze dreams. So anyway, so with dreams, um, that that's part of it. And for us, we really believe that like through active, this is from our website, through active and vibrant dreaming, we can return home to ourselves, find clarity in our lives and relationships and connect to the, to the divine creatively and spiritually. So we're all about like, the more you know about your dreams. Well, let's say this. 
you have your subconscious and your conscious mind, and your dreams are the bridge between those two. And so your subconscious, maybe you like, you really, there, there's a lot going on in your life that you decided, I'm going to bury this, but your subconscious hasn't forgotten it. And so your dreams oftentimes are like, is your subconscious saying, hey, remember me? I'm still here. <laughs> right. So, and, you know, and the the more that you can like dream journal, which we, we do a lot of, um, it gives you an opportunity to say, oh, wow, I'm really not over this. Maybe I can take some time to, to think about it and... Um, I don't know, meditate, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do to like, to, to, to uh, make peace with the dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about this uh, podcast with this sense that it it almost sounds like really heavy, but I want the (laughs) listeners to know that it's actually um, really light. And the way that you approach it is with, um, you know, hysterical off the cuff humor <laughs> um some some things that are just a little a little like oh oh my gosh um yeah. you know um and so i have to be honest i have not really been interested in dreams since my 20s okay and only every once in a while we'll all google something about a dream because i still have friends who are really into that mm-hmm. um but i have to say that it's really the two of you that have have brought me back for more. Oh, um, so, great. Thank you. Yeah. And so I just want to make sure I say that to the listeners. So anyone that might be thinking like, oh, this sounds like really deep yeah, right. and boring. <laughs> it's actually um, really light and fun. Do you think that this having this project has allowed you to have maybe a little bit more hope, a little more optimism in this COVID and social distorted world that we're in today? Oh my gosh, totally, totally. So, okay, so like I said, everything is cyclical. One, two, history major. So it's like, we're gonna, this this sucks. This just sucks. What we're going through is really not great. <laughs> I mean, it's historically pretty bad. Um, but, but with the dreams, it's like, yeah, we've been like, as like a collective, so uh, Carl Jung talks about the collective unconscious and like no matter where you're from, what 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 generation you are, we all have these like collective symbols that, um, and so I think it's like we, as a human race, we all have this opportunity to like, to move forward. Like the, the human spirit is just, it, it, go, it, it comes back. And so going with, with the dreams and like, we are resilient and we will get through this. Cause honestly, and I'm kind of lucky in a way as, as nuts as it's been to have a toddler at home during the pandemic, don't recommend for anybody, you know, it's like, this is, for me, it's been really nice to be like, we have to make it right because she's got to live through this next. So, I mean, whatever, whatever we're reaping, she's going to sow or whatever we're sowing now, she's going to reap it later. So yeah. So yes, the 1-800-DREAMS has been such a boon to my, um, I don't, for, for me personally, it's been great to like have this, have an outlet for what I really enjoy doing, but then also like, wow, we're gonna, we're gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. That's wonderful. And just for the record, Amelia, I go to sleep mm-hmm. to Frasier every oh single night. <laughs> when I heard that you liked <laughs> Frasier, I was oh like, Oh my gosh. Yes, Amelia. Yes. Um, where, can, where can our <laughs> listeners find your podcast and all things yeah. 
Okay, so we were at 1-800-DREAMS.com, 1-800-D-R-E-M-Z-Z.com. We have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have a YouTube, we have a Twitter, um, we have a Patreon as well. So if anybody's interested, you can, you know, donate $3 a month or $25 a month, whatever, and somewhere in between. So um, we do a lot of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, any really anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're we're there. So yeah, one eight hundred dreams. Um, yes. Oh, but with Fraser though, did I tell you that my so my daughter's name is Opal for all the listeners. Um, I know you had referenced her in Sharon's episode. That's oh, so you caught that? I did. I was. I love it. Oh my god! I so I totally Nailed picked it, an old right? lady. Oh my god! So good. Well, so Opal's first birthday was a Fraser themed birthday. What? How did yes. you do that? Um, I did it. And someone was like, that's how serial killers are made. I'm like, well, if that's the case, great. Cause I love true crime. Oh, by the way. So Cecilia too, I was like, we could do true crime. And she's like, no, that's like oversaturated. Let's do it. Oh this. yeah. No, I couldn't handle so, another true. Uh, and oh I'm actually, I, I had decided cause I binged it really hard yes. about uh, uh, two years ago. And I just, yeah. I haven't even gone back cause it was just so much. It's it heavy. So much. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. So though. don't get me wrong. Oh, but. No, totally. Well, and so with 1-800-DREAMS, we like, we talk about, wow, a lot of this is almost like exclusively stress-based, but we try to offer some tips on like, what can you do once you realize, so this, we've, we're doing Halloween episodes coming up. Oh, and, well, um, this, is, this podcast is going to air inside of October. Oh, and wonderful. So you've already been doing Halloween We've been doing podcast. it. Huh? Yeah, we have. So yeah, totally. So the we've beauty got, of, um, of, of pre-recording. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's very, it's but yeah, we got like shadow selves, haunted houses, nightmares. Check it out. There's a lot of really good stuff. But it's like, yeah, oh, once you've identified this is my shadow self, what can you do to like help make things better? I mean, true crime, again, amazing, really good stuff. That's why we like true crime because we can, if we feel like we've got some control over it, we can maybe not be so scared. That's kind of what this is, but it's even more like, oh, hey, I get it. I see myself. I am seen. I'm trying to connect with myself. I feel like people are constantly scrolling through their phone trying to feel connected to something or someone. Connect with yourself. Record your dreams. Listen to our podcast, 1-800-DREAMS. Absolutely. And and, and maybe have the ability to look deeper inside yourself. Yeah. You feel so like I can't, like you're just drowning in hopelessness. I feel like your podcast gives this refreshing way to... um, really kind of reconnect with yourself so you can be a better social justice warrior. But I got to ask one thing because there's, Mm -hmm. there's certain things about you that, and, and I find, I found this with Sharon and I find this with a lot of millennials that, um, there's these certain social, um, nuggets, these little, Mm. these little deep digs, these deep dives or deep cuts that, you know, you've got this Nancy Drew thing going on, (laughs) but the name of the podcast Um. itself Tell explain yes. to the listeners how the name oh. came to be because that to me is the most cute tongue tongue in cheek. Oh my god! Name. Thank you. You know we've had a few interviews and I'm I I can't believe nobody's asked us that. So you know we actually really I love I love Nancy Drew and I we were like what if we did Dream Detectives like that'd be fun, um, but then dream detective was taken. We're like nah, that's too much. We can't do that. So one eight hundred dreams. We we thought it was like. We love Miss Cleo and we, we're not obviously not trying to appropriate Miss Cleo by any means, but like a lot of these, like, you know, give us a call, we'll answer. 
<laughs> we, you know, just trying Wait to Wait a minute, funny. Amelia, we might have listeners in Gen oh. Z who are yeah. not familiar with Miss Cleo and give oh, us really? a call. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Gen Z, of course, no. Yeah, right? so you've got to give a little historical <sighs> pop culture background about that. You might have, you might, you'll definitely have to support me on this one because I cannot remember a lot, but I just remember watching like late night TV and they, this lady, Miss Cleo, was like, give me a call. I'll tell you what you want to know or what you need to hear. Um, Fortune telling. Fortune, thank you. Oh, seriously? Okay, my mom, I told her I read tarot, and she's like, do you think you're psychic? She didn't mean that to be mean, but she's like, do you really think that? And I'm like, <laughs> no, you crazy lady. No, of course I don't think I'm, and I'll be honest, we're not, we're not, with tarot, with dreams, which they're, they're so connected to us because of the symbolism, we're not telling the future. We, that's very much a thing. But yeah, Miss Cleo was 100% like, I'll tell you the future. Yeah, <laughs> we no, just, I, We love I, it, so. I have to admit, I called once. Did you? No. Did you? Did you? Oh my God. Did she answer? No, it was some other celebrity type of, you know, not a real celebrity that I would even know today, but, um, and it was really neat. But um, when I got off the phone, my friend sat there and she looked at me and she was like, you got so excited about your reading, but you literally gave her all the answers that she needed to know. Yes. Right. That's, that's, (laughs) oh, because I was like, I'm Sagittarius. She's like, you're going to go on a big trip this summer. And I was like, I really am. I'm going on a road trip with my friends. And she's like, you fool. That's what Sagittarians do is they take yes. trips. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In tarot, in tarot uh, the Sagittarius fire sign, it's represented by wands. It's like typically like your travel. And that's mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, Amelia, <laughs> this, this is the part of the podcast where we're going to mm. do rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm super excited. Okay, what is your favorite memory from childhood? Um, so rapid fire, my best friend Rachel, who is also one of your students, we're still best friends, don't worry. And um, she probably is going to get an invite too. So hell tell her, yeah, tell her get ready. <laughs> we're coming She's got me. deep cuts. Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, Rachel and I used to make movies as kids, and so yeah, so that's that's one of my favorite memories. I love it. What is your favorite eighties <laughs> band or song? Oh, oh my God. Okay. Rachel again and I used to like on half days, we would uh, come to my house and we would dance in my driveway to 80s music. So we had like a 20 top 80s. I would say I love Tears for Fears. Oh, still do. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. What about your favorite 80s film? Um, as you know, many 80s films are a little problematic these days. That's another word that's Problematic is a problematic word, but anyway, um, <laughs> I love John Hughes films and I still do in like the overall like themes of them, but like 16 Candles, love it. It's a little cringy to watch now um, oh, or better off dead. Cringy. Yeah. Yes. There's some, you have to take those uh, with the, the time that they were made. Um, but yeah, cringe, cringe city. Why did you go to college? I, there wasn't another choice. That's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was your favorite music as a teen mm, um okay basic white girl in the midwest in the mid 2000s uh arctic monkeys amy winehouse um lily allen <laughs> oh my gosh i love it um and then amelia if you could give advice to anyone in any generation older or younger um, either how to get through the dark times or just life advice in general, what would you say? Uh, disconnect with the outer world, reconnect with yourself. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Amelia, thank you so much for being a guest on Gen X Voice. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army one.